start to see the land come back alive and the animals and the creatures. And primarily, we have to take care of the, uh, the microbial life in the soil. That is key. Without it, we all go away. Us taking care of these little creatures underneath the soil and in the soil, above the soil, um, there's a lot of joy that comes from that. So. That's Timothy Axe, an Alberta farmer who runs a small family farm with his wife, Maraid. They sell grass-fed and finished beef, organic chickens and turkeys, and are committed to humane farming, including holistic regenerative renewal of the land. And we'll get back to Timothy and Maraid in a bit, because we're not actually talking about farming today. Today, we're talking all about watersheds, what they do, why they're important, and how farmers like Timothy are reinventing the farming industry in consideration of our watersheds. I'm Colleen. And I'm Gregory. And this is What on Earth Can We Do? Our first stop today is in Vermilion, Alberta, which, because there's only one L in Vermilion, locals like to say it's one L of a town. And if you've ever been there, you'll know that it's primarily a farming community. So you wouldn't automatically think watersheds while passing through. But watersheds are actually extremely important to these areas, and Vermilion River Watershed Alliance wanted to improve their watershed by working with local landowners. And because of this effort, they won the Shared Footprints Award in 2021 at the Emerald Awards, and that category was presented by the government of Alberta. So before we get into any more detail, let's discuss what a watershed is and why they're important. My name is Michelle Gordy and I'm a watershed planning coordinator. A watershed is basically a big area of land that drains water to a single point and that point is a body of water, so your lakes and streams, rivers. Watersheds are important because they are um, our lifeblood. They give us the water uh, that we need to survive, the water we need to grow plants, um, they allow animals to thrive in the environment. Um, so they're important. We need to protect them if we're going to protect our future. In the spirit of shared environmental goals and collaboration, the Vermilion River Watershed Alliance worked with local agricultural landowners, municipalities, and students to enhance and restore over 20 kilometers of riparian areas along the Vermilion River, creeks, and tributaries, and 157 hectares of wetlands within the Vermilion River watershed. That's a huge space. The Vermilion River watershed was rated as really poor in 2005 when the NSWA did a state of the watershed report for the entire North Saskatchewan River Basin. And so we knew that we needed to prioritize work in the Vermilion. So we got a group of people together, they formed an alliance, and then we started working with landowners. Um, because we knew that landowners were the key to actually creating change on the ground. Over 30 landowners participated in the brand new program over the course of the four years, from 2016 to 2019, and the program was a big success. So the landowners, um, they actually got to develop their own projects as long as they fit within the idea of restoring or enhancing wetlands and riparian areas. Something that this project has inspired is what we call the stories of stewardship. It's something that I've been working on a lot and have become really passionate about is sharing 
people's stories. So you have a landowner that works really hard to put a project on the ground to restore their wetland. We want to share their successes. So we're trying to share these stories in a number of different ways. We've used uh, story maps online. Uh, we're creating a video right now about stewardship uh, in the watershed. And we're also going to be hosting an online webinar where we invite landowners to come and talk to the community about their stewardship story. Um, stewardship is basically taking ownership for where you live. It's taking ownership of the environment around you and protecting it. And it's incredibly important to providing um, something for the future. We were able to restore and enhance over 20 kilometers of riparian areas and over 150 hectares of wetlands. That's a huge area. And so it's going to make a big difference to um, the health of the watershed and the water that'll end up flowing into the North Saskatchewan River. Remember the Alberta farmers we heard at the beginning of this episode? Well, the Axe family took part in this project by restoring their wetlands and had some incredible results. It's a lot prettier. It's a nicer place to live. The whole farm is being regenerated. They planted a number of trees, different species that would uh, um, help to heal the riparian areas. And then they fenced around them because we are grass fed beef farmers. Our cows eat grass and they eat a lot of it. So in order to protect the riparian uh, areas that they were building up, they also fenced around them on a shared cost basis, about a mile of fence. It helped us not only uh, organize a better profile when it comes to taking care of our cows, but it, it, it um, took access away from the cows to the water and um, everything is really dependent on that. Because when you're taking a look at uh, riparian areas, you're looking at uh, the, the holistic picture, you know? How can we best bring life back into the soil, back into the area? Um, and one of the key things for that is the water. And the riparian areas exist basically to filter water back into pure water and to take out a whole bunch of stuff that shouldn't be there. So, um, We've relied heavily on our riparian areas uh, since then to generate pure water, which is a wonderful gift. We'll be right back. Leading a sustainable lifestyle can be expensive. But it doesn't have to be with the Emerald Lifestyle Card. For $25, get exclusive discounts at your favorite Albertan sustainable businesses. Like Without Co., The Junk Seller, Jack 59, The Coup, and Kobachi. Meanwhile, you'll be supporting the Alberta Emerald Foundation in our environmental good news storytelling efforts. Like the What on Earth Can We Do podcast. Get your Emerald Lifestyle Card today at emeraldfoundation.ca. Nanaskamau 
Sagaikan. Um, I'm Catherine Swampy, and I am a part of the Pigeon Lake Watershed Association, the mom away portion of it. And I am very thankful for everything that they have been doing to protect the water and the land. And it's very near and dear to me. So, hi, hi. Now we're taking a trip to Pigeon Lake, where I have to be honest, I didn't see a single pigeon, but I saw a lot of pelicans. And this is also where Pigeon Lake Watershed Association developed a plan to improve their watershed. And the plan was so good that the association took home the first ever water category award presented by Jamison, Lauren and Co. at the 30th annual Emerald Awards. With Nipi, which is water in Cree, uh, it means life. So there's different kind of meanings within our Cree words. There's always a double meaning to it and where there's water there's life. So I was raised as a steward of the land. My mom brought us up really close, tight-knit, and I mean it's kind of similar with a lot of Indigenous people. Uh, we were raised on the land and with the land and we're grassroots people. So when it came to keeping things clean it just came natural. When it came to environmental protection and advocacy it just came natural because that was something we were raised with. I'm Catherine Pierce. I'm the executive director of the Pigeon Lake Watershed Association. And uh, we are essentially a stewardship group. We promote um, taking care of the lake and the land and um, each other as a community. This is a highly developed area. Um, it was logged. Um, there is a lot of cottage development. There's agricultural use all around it. and. Our age, our lake has prematurely aged uh, and because of that we have had algae problems um, at various times, various different years uh, and if we can take care of the land and if we can restore that land to some of its natural state that will help reduce algal blooms and increase the recreational value of the lake. So the lake was experiencing a lot of problems, one of them being blue-green algae, which is a type of bacteria that can release toxic chemicals into the water. This problem can be caused by agricultural stormwater runoff, as well as leaching from septic systems, and can cause a lot of problems for lakes. Okay, Colleen, I need to stop you right there, because I'm pretty sure I, I have blue-green algae in my cupboard. Like, it's the new health craze. Is it the same thing? I don't know, because you saying that is the first time I have ever heard of blue-green algae being some sort of like health <laughs> supplement. So this is something I think we're going to have to look into. <laughs> yeah, don't take us uh, take us on it. But I'm very certain that blue-green algae is the stuff that makes like smoothie bowls and that sort of thing, that lovely blue color without adding in some harsh dyes. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Back to you. It Super, super fascinating. Um, yeah, that it, maybe you could eat it, but do not drink it if it's in the water. It's, uh, you're actually not even supposed to swim in the lake when the blue-green algae is pretty bad in the water or like have your dogs jump in the lake, anything like that. And so because of these problems, it was quickly acknowledged that collaboration across all 12 municipalities that surrounded the lake was essential to executing effective watershed management. So the community came together in recognizing that we needed a plan and we needed to understand what exactly was the problem and or 
series of problems that we would be able to tackle. Um, so we uh, established the Pigeon Lake Watershed Management Plan, which is a science-based roadmap for community engagement. And that's made a big difference because of creating common ground. These are all areas um, where the community is willing to work together and make a difference for the lake. It's allowed us to um, put in a water monitoring buoy. It's allowed us to do satellite monitoring um, and engage with researchers, but also look at ways in which um, we can better understand the lake to look at ways, uh, things to mitigate uh, the situation if the water quality, say, was to get bad. We'd have a much better understanding. We have 12 municipalities, 12 sets of bylaws, 12 councils, all of which that have to make land decisions. Um, and one of our municipal, um, our municipalities take the lead and one of their major objectives was how do we look at uh, long-term sustainability of the land itself and um, municipal bylaws and municipal um, land use planning was a big part of that. We were very fortunate in the last two years um, that the government required our municipalities to do municipal development plans um, and, in, and then work together with their bordering jurisdictions to create intermunicipal development plans. And in doing that, our watershed management plan has been um, an integral part of that land use planning. So not only is it acknowledged in a 30-year plan for the land, um, but the, it, it shapes the way in which the community is governed. Uh, I know of one community that has um, implemented no paved driveways. And I just love that. I think um, the more permeable surfaces that we can contribute in this space, um, the healthier the lake will be. Where once Pigeon Lake was viewed as a cautionary tale for other lake groups, it's now considered a leader. Residents are empowered to ask for better policies, such that the plan's policy recommendations are now being embedded in municipal statutory plans. New beneficial management practices, such as lake-friendly landscaping, are common among lakeshore properties. And now for the question we've been waiting for. What on earth can we do as everyday people to protect our watersheds? Creating awareness is probably the biggest thing that you can do. So if you know what a watershed is, make sure that your friends and family know too. Make sure that they understand where their water is coming from. And you can also make daily changes in your life. So when you are taking a shower or brushing your teeth, think about that water. Think about how long you're leaving it running without using it. And that it's not an infinite resource. So just keeping that awareness in mind will help you make those daily changes. We have a lot of online resources, but we've also had an opportunity in this community to develop um, some really high-end, uh, cutting-edge materials like our Alberta Clean Runoff Action Guide. Uh, you know, that really brought the notion of clean runoff and that into our lexicon, really, of understanding the impact of stormwater when it doesn't have an opportunity to be filtered before it goes to the lake. Um, so with the help of the experts like the Alberta Low Impact Development Partnership, we've really been able to um, create resources that guide our community and create community engagement and momentum for change. I would like to see something sustainable. I don't want us uh, here using up all the lake water and 
doing something where we're exploiting the natural resources. When I say we, I don't mean my community because we haven't exactly been doing that. But I mean all of the users of the lake. I would like it to remain sustainable in an area where it's not damaging to the water or to the fish or to the wildlife or to any of the plants or animals that are around here, but where we can kind of be in this harmony together, using it but not exploiting it. Colleen, I have to say, one of my favorite memories from this whole trip was actually being out on the water at Pigeon Lake. And we got to go out to look at that. There was an island with all of these birds of so many different species, a lot of pelicans. And it was it was such a beautiful setting. Pigeon Lake is an absolutely beautiful lake right now. It's really beautiful. I think one of my takeaways was that although I'm allowed to visit it whenever I'd like, I don't know if it's in my future to actually be a lake, uh, a lakeside property owner. Um, I might be invited to somebody's property, but I, I just don't know if that's something that's in my future, which kind of like puts a twist on it because how, how do, how do we break this down as, as two people who probably aren't going to be owning lakeshore properties? I know 100%. I know I was, I was thinking about when I was thinking about this episode and talking to the Vermilion River Watershed Alliance and the, the Pigeon Lake uh, crew, um, I was starting to think about what we can do. And the one thing that I remember we chatted about earlier was that we actually do have a watershed close to us and it's our river valley in the city. So you are absolutely correct. Um, very, very valid point. Valid point, Colleen. <laughs> and I mean, as we're talking about it, we are breaking it down for everyday people. So I mean, we're probably going to visit lakes like Pigeon Lake. So yeah, we we can definitely play a positive role when we're visiting these these environments, these locations. And I think it's just small things. It's just making sure you pick up your trash if you go and have a picnic by a lake or by any sort of waterfront area within the province, right? Or um, making sure that you leave something in better condition than where you found it. Yeah. And I, I think that I, I don't know, I, I have memories of like throwing stuff into the lake or like pouring stuff out from like mm -hmm. years, decades, decades ago. Like this, this isn't something that I've recently done, but <laughs> How many people like go for picnics and and probably just think, oh, we'll just toss that in the lake. I hope that that attitude's changing because that's probably definitely contributed to this. So I think it kind of goes back to that, you know, respect the area that you're in and ensure that you're leaving it better than you than you found it. Right. And, you know, and I, I have a surprising number of friends who have cabins that are lakefront which makes us very fortunate because we can go visit them. <laughs> but um, I think it's also just that education component that um, was, that was, we talked about it a lot when we went to go visit these places is just educating everybody. So, you know, it's, it's talking about the watershed with, my friends that have these cabins that um, I don't know, might be, might be helpful. They might already know, but who knows? Like, it's always good to be talking about our watersheds. Oh, absolutely. And you've probably learned a lot from the two groups that we talked on mm -hmm. this podcast that, you know, your friends probably don't know. You should probably tell them to listen to this podcast so that they can learn more. Oh, you bet <laughs> I will. <laughs> Colleen, 
I, I do have something else that, that I feel is a bit of a takeaway because even though I don't live close to, uh, a, I, I'm not a Lakeshore property owner, I do own a home in Edmonton. And I think that it's important to, you know, my, the stuff from my home probably isn't going directly into the river or, or if it is, it's, it probably is. So just knowing that, um, I think what I'm getting at here is, uh, this past summer, it did not rain a lot, but in past summers, it has. And I'm a very proud owner of a rain barrel that was actually created by uh, this year's honorary mention in the Lifetime Achievement Award category. Uh, the amazing people over at the Barrelman Incorporated, who are Dirk and Nanya Struck, who, uh, who have actually repurposed food-grade containers, these large barrels, into uh, rain harvesting barrels and are having a huge impact definitely deserving of of their recognition through the awards program and i'm very excited that you know every time it rains that i have more water that i can use on my property to support the life that's here and how i i think that that just you know resonates um you know as people on lakeshore properties need to be aware of what's running off their roofs into the nearby water that you know there's there's things that we should be doing on our properties that may not necessarily be close to a lakeshore, but that we can be doing to ensure that the environment, especially in our areas, are being it, that it's being taken care of. Oh, I love that. You might not live close to a lake or have a cabin, but no matter what you're doing, it affects our watershed. So I think that's that is that's something that's really important to keep in mind. Well, thank you all. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I'm jealous of your answer. <laughs> I think that's a wrap. The What on Earth Can We Do podcast is presented by the Alberta Emerald Foundation and Eco Growth Environmental and features Emerald Award recipients. Nominations for the 31st Annual Emerald Awards open on November 1st, 2021 and close February 11th, 2022. Learn more about our guests' inspiring work through the Emerald Documentary Series, available on our website, emeraldfoundation.ca. And if you enjoyed What on Earth Can We Do, please make sure to subscribe and stay up to date with us on our socials at Alberta Emerald. Need help with your waste management? EcoGrowth Environmental Incorporated has your solutions. Learn more at eco-growth.ca. A very special thank you to our sponsors, the Government of Alberta, City of Edmonton, Syncru Canada Limited, the Edmonton Community Foundation, the Alberta Real Estate Foundation, Yellow Bike Solutions, and Bioenergy Solutions Incorporated.